<laughs> Yo, these are these are essay questions. These are not rapid fire questions. This you got me. End, you got me. This is the end of the SATs where it's like I thought I was done. I told you what? it was a dumb name. I got four questions left. Oh, this took two hours. <laughs> You're listening to Philly Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. In this episode, I'm chatting with Chill Moody, a Philadelphia hip-hop artist, entrepreneur, and activist. Chill has released two rap albums, and he has quite a few accolades around Philadelphia. Philly Magazine has named him Best Rapper in their annual Best of Philly issue. He's been named Philadelphia's official music ambassador by Councilman David O. And he's also the first ever rapper to perform at Philadelphia's City Hall. But that's not all he does. Jill also runs a lifestyle brand called Nice Things, which includes a clothing line, a consulting firm, a record label, and even an IPA, which you should definitely try, if anything, because the can has a picture of him on the front riding a shark. How badass is that? In this episode, Chill is going to tell us about what it was like in West Philly to start his rap career and how it took him a while to find his own voice. It, lyrically, it was it was good enough to listen to, but after the first couple, you know, I shot somebody and whatever, whatever you hearing and like, yo, Chill, this ain't really you. Like, you gotta you gotta tell your story. We'll also talk about the pull that young artists feel to move to New York or L.A. to launch their career and why he decided to stay in Philly. But when people ask me early in the game, like, you know, you know, you got to leave Philly to make it when you're leaving. And I'm like, we from Philly. Like, why do I got to leave? Should I have to leave here to make it? This Philly should count. And we'll talk about the things Chill's doing to make Philly count and bring Philly back to the top of the music industry. Philly artists, and I'll, I'll speak for the, for the hip-hop community, we got a lot to unlearn about how to succeed. All this and much more right now on Philly Who. I'm your host, Kevin Schmidlin, and thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned. Just a heads up, there is a little bit of cursing in this episode, in case that's not your thing. So Chill Moody, like another famous Philadelphia rapper, is West Philadelphia, born and raised. He actually went to the same high school that Will Smith and Wilt Chamberlain went to at Overbrook. But for Chill, it all started before high school, making beats with his cousins. Chill was raised a family man, and he attributes the man that he is today to his grandfather, Roy Lee Spencer Jr. It just inspired me as a, as a man to just be family-oriented. You know, the fam always congregated at his house. You know, that's, that, was, that was the spot you had to go. You was, we was at Poppy and Granny's house. Like, that, that, was the, that was the move. And even still, you know, we're, we're still on that block, still around that neighborhood. Um, so that stressing the importance of family um, molded me as a man and molded me as a musician because, um, you know, I wanted to make my cousins proud of me when I, when I first started rapping and make my mom proud. And, you know, my family was huge supporters and always, you know, kept them close. So um, I, I can attest that to her. Yeah. So is it true that you mentioned your cousins? Is it true that you got started in hip hop by trying to be your cousin's manager? Yeah. Um, around about in a roundabout way. Yeah. I always wrote, always had raps, um, but wanted to be an A&R. I wanted to be a manager. I wanted to, you know, I, I enjoy telling someone's story. I enjoy the cosign and be like, yo, check this out. And then, you know, when you go check it out, you hit me back like, yeah, you was right. Or I love when you go to a bar and be like, yo, Chill told me to order the such and such. Like, I always, like, thrived off the cosign. Um, 
so like I said, I always wrote, always had raps, but uh, I was trying to manage my cousin Boogie. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we're going to get it popping, whatever, whatever. And he's like, yo, why don't you just rap with me? Like, you can rap too. Like, why don't you just rap? And I was like, all right, whatever. So we just started rapping together. Um, yeah, Does, yeah that, that's kind of how. Does Boogie still rap? Yeah, yeah, Boogie, Boogie Mandela, um, still one of the best rappers out here um, to this day. Like, you know, I, I put a stamp on him as, at a young age, not just because he was my cousin, because um, I got other cousins that tried at rapping too. And my family is not a lot of, not, not, I ain't going to say not a lot. There are zero, like, yes men in my family. Like, nobody's going to co-sign something if it's not legit. And that's what took me a while to really get started and um, get my grounding in it. Because early on, I was lying in my raps. I was, you know, I shot this, I sold that, and, you know, all of that. And it, lyrically, it was it was good enough to listen to. But after the first couple, you know, I shot somebody and whatever, whatever you're hearing. And it's like, yo, chill, this ain't really you. Like, you got to you gotta tell your story. Um, and, you know, these are words coming from my older cousins. And I'm like, well, I got to listen to them because they're the reason I'm doing this. Um, so just had to switch that up and start telling, like, you know, my story. Yeah. Did you, found, did you find that it felt different then when you were actually telling your story through the rap than yeah, when yeah, you were yeah. trying to tell a different it, one? It felt like way more of a release. It became way more therapeutic. And I, I fell in love with the performing of the music because of that. Because it's like now I'm... Now I'm not just out here rapping and impressing people with, you know, the clever punchlines and stuff, which was good, but I'm doing that and I'm telling them about myself. I'm giving you a piece of myself. I'm I'm able to, you know, tell stories that no other way I'd be able to tell, you know, through this music. So I'm like, all right, I like it better this way. Did you find it hard to open up? No, not at all. Yeah, it, it, it's, not, it's not that hard to really open up. Um, it's actually easier. It's just like, Go live some life, come back, write it down, go record it, go live more. You know what I mean like so? It's it's just been that type of cycle. It was it was actually harder when I'm, I gotta think of clever stories to create and you know um, fictitious things to say just because you know it was clever. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm actually thinking on that. Like I'm actually you know trying. Where it's like. This is not saying it's effortless, but it's like, you know, it just comes natural, second nature. Wow. That's, that's, I think there's a lot of songwriters out there or budding, aspiring songwriters who, who need to hear that. Uh, because I know a, a few people who say, man, I would love to write songs, but you know, every time I write my stuff down, it just feels so infantile. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think people are going to like it, but it sounds like it's actually easier. Yeah, it's just a conversation. Like if you're saying that you're saying, I don't think people are like when I talk to them. So I'm never going to talk to anybody. It's like, nah, just put this conversation to a beat. Like, you know, what, what do you want to get out there? Yeah. That's awesome. So you started making music in your dad's basement. Yeah, the first time I re the first recordings actually was in my mom's basement. Our first recordings. Um, I just know I bought a lot of studio equipment freshman year of college, um, like an interface and got a new computer and all of that. Because um, Citibank was handing out credit cards, <laughs> <laughs> so I copped up on two of those. Yeah, bought mad studio <laughs> equipment. Them out like yeah, like nothing like candy. Yeah, they had free T-shirts and credit cards. I was like, yep, sign me up for both. <laughs> um, yeah, and bought a lot of studio equipment then. But I, I remember recording before that because we had recorded raps when I was in high school. But, you know, just fast forward, freshman year of college, mom would dry clothes in the basement sometimes. So we had clothing wires, and I didn't have a mic stand. I had none of that type of stuff. So we would hang the mic from the clothes wire almost like a, you know, mama said knock you out. You yeah. know, the, 
the, the <laughs> announcer, Michael Buffer, yeah. Mike coming down or whatever over the top of your head. So we had that. But uh, fast forward to my my dad's basement was when I got the when I got Cubase and we was chopping beats and you know I I was I was the engineer and the artist and all of that. Um, those days were good. Those those were really good days, especially because like like my dad's basement also has a bar. You know, it's Moody's Clubhouse, so it's a bar on a on a I guess the opposite side of where the studio room was. So there'd be studio, there'd be partying. Like it was oh, just, man. it was, it was the life. That's the dream. Age. Yeah, we, we, we was, we was loving it. That's cool. So what was the path between that and your first album, RFM? We did the Ill Chill project, which was the first project I recorded fully at my dad's basement. From there, one of the songs got picked up on the radio. Um, well, about four of the songs from the album got picked up on the radio, but the first song I ever had on the radio was called Hip Hop Don't Fade Away. We recorded that in my dad's basement. What was um, that like when your music was on the radio for the first time? So the first four times I was played on the radio, it was four different songs, and I didn't hear them because I was at the radio, like, doing interviews or premiering them on the radio. So I didn't get that feeling of, like, yo, I'm on the radio to, like, my fifth joint. And I was like, you know, I've been on the radio now. But it was that, um, it was that moment we was all at my cousin's house, and the song came on, and I don't know, my brother or somebody was like, y'all just going to play this chill music all night? Y'all going to play chill all night? Like, as a joke. And they're like, we're not playing this. This on the radio. And I'm like, oh, they playing me on the radio right now? Because, like, usually you would know. Like, you know, they call me up for an interview, and we play the music. Or, you know, they tell me in advance or whatever, whatever. So this was, like, rotation. Like, this was just, like, a DJ was feeling. And it was a joint that hadn't been played. It was a song called Shooting for the Stars. Um, and they just played it. And I was just like... Yo, I didn't even know they had that one. Like, this is this is dope. Um, you know, everybody singing the words and and all of that. So that was that was that was a really really dope moment for me. So so let's talk about you being an independent artist. So is that something that you've always wanted to maintain? That you wanted to stay independent? Is that a decision that you made at one point where you're just like, it's now or never? No, I'm gonna do things myself. It was just more like the hand that I was dealt, and you know, I was my back's to the wall. You know, is. It's either focus all your energy on trying to gain the attention of someone else specifically or just do everything you got to do and get everybody's attention at once. So it's like, I'm just going to keep working. And, you know, if you if a, if a major comes up and, you know, they want a partner or something like that, we can do that. Um, but, I, you know, I've taken mad label meetings and it's just the, the terms um, have never been like what interest you know where 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 I saw myself. You know, is you got to give up some of your creativity in some cases and things like that. And that's you know those are compromises I'm not willing to take and or make, should I say? Um, so the independence wasn't like the the choice, but it was just like let's go. It's like, just you. That's just that's You're just what's happening. Yeah, I'm not I'm not running from that. Um, but I never you know was one to be like I'm not inviting other people and it was just like it just got to make sense for how i see this going yeah yeah so when you see the terms did any of the labels want you to leave philly uh not specifically you know but you know people period was like when you leaving like coming up even still to this day people's like yo when are you leave and i and i do understand more now than i did then 
but when people ask me early in the game, like, you know, you know, you got to leave Philly to make it when you leaving. And I'm like, we from Philly. Like, why do I got to leave? This is a music mecca. Like, should I have to leave here to make it? This, this Philly should count. And enough people didn't see that to where I took it upon myself to make Philly count. I'm like, I'm going to stand here, put these 10 toes down, and I'm, I'm going I'm going to make it so Philly counts. And I talk about this 80-point theory um, where it's like, you know, LeBron can score 80 at the Wells Fargo one night and then score 80 at the Garden the next night. And for some reason, that 80 counts more because at the Garden, you mean, it's like that shouldn't be like 80 points, 80 points. You know, I was selling out the TLA at the same time Kendrick was selling out SOBs. SOBs holds 250. TLA hold 1500. So it's like it's, it's weighted in a weird way. And um, I'm like, I could just go and just do it up in New York and do it, the, you know, the way these guys are doing it. But it's like, why not just make it here so the next chill movie doesn't have to leave? It's a choice, not an inevitability, you know, you having to leave. So labels per se weren't like, yo, you got to leave. But people even to this day are like, yeah, you got to go. And like I said, I, I didn't really understand it then. Now I understand it a little better what they what they meant, what their intentions were with saying it. Um, it wasn't a, a discredit to Philly. Um, Philly got A-level talent, but we got like D-level industry. Um, there's no buildings here. There's no there's no record labels here, you know. So I'm like, all right, I'll build that here. But we used to have it. Yeah, and we used to. So I'm I'm thinking of yesteryear or whatever, and um and used to is 20 years ago. It's not like not long. 15 years ago. I mean, it ain't like 40 years ago. It used to be like nah, like we just was, you know just so happens like something happened along the way and studios start shutting down and they start putting condos in them but like before like as i was coming up like that that's not how it was um but on the flip side of that taking these trips to la you know ever so often i've, I've been out like three times this year already um being in new york it's been in new york twice this week just just going up and getting the little little pieces of it i noticed that it's a accelerated program should i say like it's it's a being in New York for a month can equate to like a year in some places, depending on what you're really doing and how how forward you are with your movement. Um, so I do get get it in that sense, but I can do that in increments and right. still bring it back here. Yeah. So looking looking back, let's say you know there's more up and coming artists who also want to be like you and you know put the ten toes in Philly and represent and and bring Philly back to mm -hmm. where it was. What do you recommend for them? Uh, you gotta really care. You gotta really, really give a fuck and want to do it, like, cause it's not easy, um, and there's no blueprint for it. So you gotta kind of like, I mean, I'm I'm setting what I believe to be, or it's gonna be the the blueprint for it, and um, building some institutions and you know things like being a Philly music ambassador and um, some of the some of the platforms that I've built that are able to run not. You run without me. I could pass those on and things like that. So I'm I'm laying a foundation, um, but it's just so much that I'm learning on the job, you know, that it's not going to be as easy um, as if, you know, you were in L.A. and, you, like, you knew I go to this building at this stage, and then when I'm at this stage, I perform at this venue. And then, like, it's a blueprint at other places. And Philly is not necessarily a blueprint, so it's not going to be as easy. So advice would be, like, know ahead of time it's not gonna be easy and and work you know knowing that keep that keep that with you 
Yeah, yeah. So in an interview with Philly PR Girl, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said you can't take over the world if you don't win at home first. You have to have your city behind you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. At what moment did you know that this city was behind you? Uh, hmm. It's a lot of, because it's a lot of pockets of the city. So it's like, you got to get the full city. And I mean, I can honestly say I'm still fighting for the full, you know what I mean? Always will be. I mean, you, you should always be because, um, you know, it's always something new. It's always a new pocket jumping up and you, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta grab them. Um, I was the first hip hop artist to perform at city hall, like ever. Wow. Um, at that moment, I was like, all right, that, like I can do something with this. Like that's that's a, a accolade that no one can take from me. That no one, you know, we got greats in this city, and no one had grabbed that yet. So it's like, all right, city got my back a little bit. If 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 I was the one chosen to do that, yeah. um, to to have that, you know, in the, in the record books or the history books or whatever, my name's there in in that sense. Uh, so I think it was it was that moment. Selling out the TLA was definitely a moment where I knew, like, you know, I had the city behind me because it was so many familiar faces in there, so many people I didn't know, so many people still talk about that show. Um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't a thing that unsigned artists were doing at that time. Um, you know, I can't, I can't think of, you know, independent artists. I mean, since then, people have done it, but, like, prior to... It was few and far between, like, completely independent, you know, no, you know, no under-table deals with Atlantic where they really was pushing it for you to get there. Like, it was right. completely, and I can't remember, you know, of artists doing those things. It was a lot of opening a lot of those doors for artists to come and throw their own showcases in, in some of these bigger buildings as opposed to renting out the venue and having to pay you know, the TLA, you know, that big chunk of money yeah. up front. It's like, no, y'all can work out a deal. I did it. Like, I yep. can bring y'all in on that too. Like, yeah, those those were those were moments where it's like, all right, the this, this city yeah. got my back a little bit. So you're you're bringing your involvement beyond just being behind the mic. You, mm -hmm. You've created your own label. Yeah. Nice, nice things, things Music. Nice Things Music, yep. So where does that name come from? Nice Things uh, came from my cousins uh, when I was... I mean, we've been saying nice things since I was like ten. That's that was just like part of part of their slang. Um, they came up listening to a lot of Wu Tang, a lot of Mob Deep, and you know these guys had their own slang, had their own vernacular, um, vocab or whatever. So nice things was just something that I adopted or adapted from them. Um, so when hip hop start picking up, and you know I'm doing more interviews and I'm talking to more people. And I'm saying, you know, yeah, like, yeah, we did a lot of nice things last night. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, or I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, interview things, like, you know, whatever, you know, we had some beers, was whiskey things going on or whatever. And they can't follow up. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, that's just how we talk. We say nice things all the time. Um, and then when I start building a brand, I had to find a way to make sure Chill Moody was protected but also kept separate from any of the other ventures I, I, I jumped into um, because I didn't want any of your feelings, whether good or bad, on Chill Moody to reflect on the brand. So if you if you hate a song that I end up putting out, I don't want that to make you then hate this beer because, oh, I don't like Chill Moody. It's like, no, I love nice things. Everybody deserves nice things, you know. So so that was 
how 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 that kind of like started because I just always seen the bigger picture. It had to be a brand. Um, you know, starting a label, I couldn't have Chill Moody Records because other rappers. I'm still gonna be an artist. Other rappers might not be willing to jump under that type of umbrella. But if it's nice things and it's, you know, I paint the picture of this the bigger picture, this bigger umbrella that we're all under. It doesn't matter that you know I'm happy to be CEO there. It's just not. Nah, we're all under nice things and everybody will be treated. Yeah, you know I mean accordingly. At the end of the day, life, nice things is a lifestyle brand. I want everything that you do in your day to be nice things, whether it's, you know, the beer you drink, the sneakers you wear, the music you listen to, it should somehow, some way be nice things. I'm working on this nice things network, um, just a big content network, housing podcast, you know, video content, um, you know, the interviews with artists that some platforms can't get, um, I can definitely get because, you know, I'm friends with these artists. I can get a, a better story than, you know, the typical, so what inspires you? And you know, nothing wrong with those questions, but like, you already know that because they asked it already. Like, you know, what about the, what about, tell me about Roy? Like, what about those things? Like, what about those questions that people never have asked me in my entire life? Like, I, I can do that with, with artists as well. So it's like, all right, let's, let's, let's put this network together. Yeah. So it sounds like the essence for me of nice things is to, to appreciate appreciate whatever you have in your life as as nice things whether i uh, say whether you got a bentley or a bus bus pass if you if you getting where you gotta go and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing that, like that's nice things like you know you 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 working towards those goals it's not about the end result it's just about the work it's just about the the life the, the enjoying of it is 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 nice things yeah so at south by southwest at the mm -hmm. amplify philly house you were on a panel and i remember you saying one of the things that you try to remember is don't get excited. Yeah. How do you how do you balance appreciating the nice things, being ambitious and doing all these, you know, things that nobody's done before and not getting excited? Like those are it's it's become so easy to me is scary. Yeah. People, you know, and I don't want to say it in like a, a cocky way, but people like often like give a lot of praise to a lot of the things that I'm doing. Um, a lot of it is groundbreaking and, you know, there's no other hip hop beer. No other hip hop artist has a beer. Some hip hop artists has vodkas and cognacs or whatever, but right. even in that sense, they didn't make, make those things. Right. They bought those companies, which is, you know, no disrespect to them. You got the money to do it. Go ahead and do it. If I did, I'd probably do the same. But being able to say, I, I put my hands in this, you know, I made this beer, you know, I helped make the beer, should I say. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's just it's just different. So it's like, I understand that, but at the same time, you know, that was a that was a collaboration. At the same time, you know, I got a video on MTV, but I could I could own MTV. I, you know, it could be my network, it could be my brewery, it could be so it's like I, in, in my mind I feel like excitement breeds contentment. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to grow content with anything that I'm doing. So I do take some time to, you know, the guy told me to smell each rose on the way up. So at, at sometimes I do that not enough. And I, I can honestly say to a fault, I, I just breeze past stuff sometimes to the point where when you ask me about certain stuff, I got to reminisce. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was dope. Like I, did, yeah. I never got a chance to even think about how because I, I was on to the next every single step of the way. It's helped me, but, you know, it is a hindrance at sometimes because it's like you just – grow numb to what you're doing 
Um, and I think it's because like I, I never want to come off as like a braggadocious type person. So it's it's a thin line between promotion and and being right. braggadocious. So it's like I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'll tell you what's going on. But I'd rather you tell the story than me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's, but, it's know, a challenge. It's forever OG, challenge. OG told me, you know, the main thing, he always would say that main thing, don't get excited. And you take it how you want to take it, yeah. you know. And that's that's the thing about gems that the old heads give you is, is always left to interpretation yeah. um, and application, you know, depending on your path. And for me, that don't get excited, that's, that's yeah. how it resonated with me. Sounds like a constant balance. Yeah. You know? Appreciate the nice things. Yeah. Appreciate what you got, but... Always be looking ahead. Don't get excited. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So you mentioned your beer. You have the Nice Things IPA, correct? With Dock Street Brewery. Where did this come from? How did you get how did you get into brewing a beer? The the story goes, I met uh Vince, who was the lead brewer at Dock Street at the time. Um he had made a beer called Dock Street Beer Ain't Nothing to Funk With. It was a Wu Tang homage. They had a Chardonnay barrel, they had a Wu Tang brand on there. Um, like a big branded W on there, um, engraved in the in the in the barrel. They aged the saison in this Chardonnay barrel and played Wu Tang music off a Spotify playlist for twenty four seven for six months. So it aged listening to the Wu Tang. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest shit. That's so cool. Ever. So I go. I went to the release party. Um, met met Vince there. Told him, you know, like this is amazing. Um. And we just hit it off. So we was talking about beer and, you know, he was teaching me about some things. But, you know, we both had this love for hip hop. So we talking about that. And I met the owner that night, Rose. And I was just like, yo, I want to make a beer with y'all. Um, you know, but I don't want to like, don't just put my face on it or do it as an homage with, you know, playing my music into it or whatever, whatever. All that's cool. But I want to make a beer with y'all. And she looked at me. She's like, who the hell are you? And I'm like, oh, my fault. I'm chill. It you know, went through all of that. Turned out we had mutual friends, and she was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Like, you know, let's 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 figure this out. So, um, I started going to Dock Street every day, four times a week, I guess. You know, from nine to like four, just drinking and learning, and you know, sweeping up, and you know, they pull out the whiteboard and teaching me about ABV and teaching me about IBUs and all of that stuff. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. And tasting a bunch of beers and like developing the palate to, you know, then create, you know, some flavor profiles. Uh, we had a pineapple infused, a mango infused, and a lemon thyme infused IPA. So we set up the tasting, invited a bunch of people through, had a flight. Everybody tasted them. You know, said which ones they liked the best. They voted. And a pineapple infused IPA one, so there came Nice Things IPA. So that was 2016, and it was just on draft, and it kept selling out super quick. Every time they brew it, a, a batch to sell out quick. So they brew a bigger batch the next time, but it'll sell out probably quicker because more people know about it now. So they're like, "All right, we got something here. Let's go to distribution. Let's go in the cans." I'm like bet. So now we got the cans. Now I'm on the can riding the shark yeah. I mean, yeah. through the city of Philadelphia. Riding the shark, where'd yeah. that come from? Uh, we we did a flip on their um their original logo. Their their staple beers is Rye IPA. It's really good. Um, so I'm like, all right, if this is gonna be comparable to their staple or you know a a new staple for them, I want to pay homage to what their original logo is. So it's like this cowboy riding the shark through like 
the field or some random <laughs> shit. So I flipped it, put my face on it, you know, took his cowboy boots on, put some Chuck Taylors on him. You know, the socks don't match. Like, my socks never match. Um, you know, put the nice things watch on him. He's riding a shark through the city of Philadelphia. Got the pineapples in his satchel. Like, it's, and it's me. Um, that's got to be the most badass image I've ever heard. so dope. I'm like, yo, I, tra I, I travel aquatically. Like, that's, yeah. how, that's how we doing this. But, uh, yeah, so now we're up to the point where we got, I think we're up to three brew dates a year. So it's still, like, you know, that uh, it's special when the beer drops. It's like a mad elf or something like that. So a special occasion every time it is, is nice things. Very cool. So, you know, as you're describing the process that you went through to develop this beer, you know, it wasn't, like you said, you weren't just throwing your face on it. You were there almost full time, diving in, getting your hands dirty. And it's the same way you approached, you know, building your rap career as well. You did it yourself. You got your hands dirty. And it also is how you've approached being an activist in Philadelphia. So how did it come to be that you sit in on city hall meetings? Is that right? Yeah, I'm the Philly Philadelphia Music Ambassador. Uh, I was dubbed that by Councilman David O. Uh, he brought me in to help on an initiative called PHL Live Center Stage. Uh, we're in like the fourth or fifth year coming up of that. And um, well, we just finished the fourth year, I believe. Um, yeah, he just brought me in for insight, you know, kind of like as a, as a consultant. Um, I do a lot of consultant work anyway, so it was just like, you know, second nature. Like, all right, I'll come in, I'll help you formulate this. But um, through the ideas that I was bringing across and, you know, I, I, I walked in that building knowing, all right, I, I'm not here just representing myself. They call me because they need to talk to everybody, but they can't talk to everybody at once. So I assumed that position right away as the the liaison between the city and the city. You know what I mean? The, the, the artist and you know the actual lawmakers and the entity of that is the city of philadelphia um but I, like I, it was natural it was like all right I, I know i speak for them because i am them you know and i i know i'm the greatest representation of what our artists should be and also um i know the the, the qualms that they all go through because I'm, I'm going through them right now so this is the shit we got to fix this is stuff we got to do coming to you, you know, as I am, I ain't doing that. I ain't coming in a suit unless I felt like wearing a suit that day. But if I felt like wearing a sweatsuit, I'm coming in a sweatsuit to City Hall and we're going to talk to City Council that day. They appreciated that. So um, I was just always like a, a olive branch for them to uh, like a conduit to to the city. Um, what kind of issues are you working on? Simple stuff um, that other cities have that we don't. But we're like, like I say, a music mecca. So why don't we? So simple stuff like loading zones. Other cities, you can load your equipment out without getting a ticket. You can't park in front of some of these venues without getting a parking ticket. PPA is just monsters. Um, they're good at what they do. Yeah, like they're the best at what they do, bothering people. Oh, no. But uh, yeah, so so things like that, just passing legislation that, you know, other cities have. Um, trying to work now on building a grant for our artists. Um they have something in in Canada where like, you know, a lot of these artists that blew up out of Canada, their music is funded from the city. Like music is a, is an export of Canada. It's one of the top exports of Canada. Like, you know, they, but tourism rises because we're putting out these artists, we're putting out this music. Now y'all gonna come and, and see us. But I say it's an export because like they have conferences in Canada where it's a big music conference, 
only Canadian artists are performing, but people from around the world are invited. They come, they see, and then they book these artists back wherever they came from. So, you know, you go back home to, you know, L.A. or you go back home to the Netherlands or wherever you're at. You're like, I'm booking these Canadian artists. But that's all manufactured, not manufactured in a sense that it's fake, right. but it's like, that's the plan. It's intentional. It's intentional. That's what I'm looking for. It's intentional. And it's funded by the city, by the country. We should have that. Toronto got it. We should have it. And so I'm working on building things uh, like things like that, bringing awareness to it and then figuring out how we can do it here in Philly. Um, so, yeah, I, it just came natural. You know, at, from from my first meeting at City Hall, it was just like, all right, this is this is the guy. Let's 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 name him the ambassador, and let's let's figure out everything from there. So from there, we've started the music industry task force. Um, it's made up of like, I think it's fifteen of us on the board of like music industry professionals, um, working current working professionals in the in the industry, venue owners. Um, it's like a a table like a ventures type table. Um, and all of us collectively know what this city needs. Um, and if we don't know f for sure from us, we can get it from someone. So it's a good representation of like everything. All right. So if I could just throw a couple rapid fire questions, okay. which is actually, that's kind of a dumb name because they don't have to be rapid answers, but it's just stuff that I kind of ask, you know, these we'll talk a little bit faster. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You want to answer it faster, you can. <laughs> yeah, cool. time's up. No. Um, so what would be a common misconception that people have about you? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to, to misconstrue anything about me because I'm such an open book. Like if you listen to the music or you follow me on any social network or if you have been around me, you know everything about me right then. Like I'm it's not that deep with me like i'm i'm you know pretty you know i got my moments but i'm pretty surface pretty much and to the point that i'm saying like everything's on the table not saying i'm not a deep intellectual whatever whatever i am that that's known from the jump like all of my stuff is is, is pretty transparent so i think the most the biggest misconception is that i got i'm hiding something that i got something to hide that there's more it's like i'm giving you everything the biggest misconception is that there is a there misconception. is a misconception. Yeah, I'm giving you everything. Yeah, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing Philadelphia these days? Philly artists, and I'll, I'll speak for the for the hip hop community, um, maybe a couple other artist communities. We got a lot to unlearn about how to succeed. Um, I don't think we've adapted fully the strength in numbers attitude. Um, the you know, you see the hashtags Philly support Philly. Yeah, but not really. Like, not all the time. Not fully. I mean, and it's cool to say, but it's even cooler to really do. So I think um, that's something we, we really need to work on. Like, that unity. And that, you know, not, not unifying in the city and behind closed doors, but, like, being verbal about the unity. Being verbal about who you really bang with who you really are co-signing and you know things like that and and being consistent in that as well support all the time not just when it's convenient um for what's going on with you because in a sense it's always going to benefit you to put on for your city um you know whatever you do is if if we're all doing better 
we're all doing better. If somebody's doing better than, you know, when when the Eagles won and, you know, they they didn't just keep it to themselves. They played Meek's music for, for, the, for the entrance. So now Meek is eating off of that. You know, they're bringing people with them. We can learn a lot from that. And, you know, it might it might have took something as big as a Lombardi trophy to to make us aware of that. Um, but like I said, in, in an artist community, they might even dive deeper into it's a cultural thing as far as hip hop. Um, like that culture, you know, we don't we don't uplift enough. So, yeah, I, I just think we got a lot to unlearn as far as how to attain success and understanding that. There is there's strength in numbers and you know that that cliche is is legit. The rising tide raises all boats. There you go. There you go. That's, that's good. That's definitely something you see a lot of that the hashtag Philly. What was it? Philly it's Philly support Philly. Philly support Philly, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, Well, yeah, you're on Instagram, but why weren't you at the event? You know, right, why, who, right, who right. are you supporting specifically? Right. That's good. Um other than just words of encouragement, if you could send a message to yourself like in your dad's basement or even, you know, before that, your mom's basement. Would you, and if you would, what would you say? Yes, I would. And I would tell myself simply do it now. So much, so many ideas that I've had and I just didn't act on them right away. I was saving them for the right moment. And oh, I can't do this until I got the right fan base. And when I get to this tier, then I'll implement this game plan and some some things I never got a chance to do, and then I see other artists do them, and doing with less resources than I had when I wanted to do them, and just as effective. And it's like, yo, I should have just pressed the button. Like, so I would I would tell myself, and that's something, you know, I've learned in life, and learned, you know, through catching my bumps or whatever. But my conversations with Todd, we were speaking about Todd before um before the podcast with Todd Carmichael, um, he's the ultimate push the button type boy. Like right away, I'll give him an idea. He's like, all right, what's the first step? What's the first thing we have to get done to, you know, make it, but let's act on that first step during the inception of the idea. Because once you get to working on it, you can't stop then. It can stop at the idea because you're trying to figure out the first step. But if you just like, all right, I want to, I hit him up about the idea about throwing the first Fridays at La Cologne, we should throw a concert, first Fridays, boom, 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 boom. All right, coming for a meeting, two o'clock. We set the whole whole thing up just like that. Like pressing a button, like do it now. So if I if I told myself anything, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell myself like, you know, watch out for this or nothing specific. But just do it. Do it now. Yeah. Uh listeners wanna follow what you're up to. Why would they want to do that? <laughs> no, uh, you follow me on everything at Chill Moody. Uh, spelled exactly how it sounds. ChillMoody.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, all of that. Just type in Chill Moody. See what happens. And the beer is at Nice Things IPA. The label is Nice Things Music. Nice Things is all lowercase, no spaces. Uh the band we are and more the group is called and more but the instagrams and everything are we are and more myself and don t um but yeah just type in chill moody wherever for all the links to follow up on chill and more and nice things you can head over to podphillywho.com forward slash chill if you like the show be sure to subscribe and give it five stars on itunes 
If you'd like to follow along on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at PodPhillyWho. Music by Lee Rosevier. Artwork by Lauren Carhart. A very special thanks to Danielle Lindo and, of course, to Chill Moody. For Philly Who, my name is Kevin Schmidlin. See you next week.